the screaming divas in the woods. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Hey, Sandra, who are we interviewing today? Isabel Leonard. She's amazing. She's amazing, amazing, amazing. Nutso soprano. Opera singer, yep, but Broadway musical singer as well. She can sing everything, can't she? She can do whatever she wants. She's like super talented. And on top of all that, she's a really awesome mom, takes care of this really cool kid. She could be a model too. She could. She's gorgeous. I mean, you'll see can't in the video. Check out the clip. We have a great clip. Here we go. Okay, Isabel, I have a really um, uh, probably annoying question, but I'm very nosy and have to know this. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Um, a, I know you have several Grammys, but I don't know how many. And B, where are they? And do they go in your suitcase with you when you travel? <laughs> <laughs> Scary would be like, plonk. Yeah, I'm like, everybody, look at my Grammys. <laughs> That would be like your phone. That would be like the thing on your phone for your finger, right? Your Grammy. Yeah, it's it like, would be. Like, hi. <laughs> um, how many do you have? <laughs> okay, there's two. Um, one was for the L'Enfant et les Sortilèges that I did with Seiji Ozawa in Japan, in, in oh. Matsumoto. Um, and then the other one was for The Tempest. Cool. So, and for best opera recording, so there, there are a lot of people in these projects, right? So they, they are uh, awarding, you know, a group of people, which is really amazing, right? Um, and then, Carrie, you're going to hate this answer. <laughs> there. Wine makes everything better. Wine makes everything awesome. And um, hello, people. But we need to tell you something. We please get your poop in a group and subscribe. <laughs> Carrie loves that. Poop in a group. I don't know we are PG rated. PG rated. <laughs> You're so, so pathetic. <laughs> I love you, Carrie. Hello. Hi. How are you? It's a pro Leonard in the house. Yay. I love it. I love it. Oh, I should have brought a drink or something. Oh. Cheers. What does it Cheers. say? Love is love. Oh, love is love. This is my uh, little sugar high of the day. So happy, happy to me. <laughs> it's my sugar high. It's called gin. <laughs> it's perfect. Day drinking. <laughs> it's a fine. I know, my mine was just doing the same thing. It's like, ugh, stop it already. Technology. It's so good to see you. How are you? No, it's good. It's oh, you know, How are you? I mean, I'm well. I'm alive. I'm healthy. Family is alive and healthy. Uh, you know, we have food to eat, and that's that's all good. So, yes, and, and uh, as far as that goes, we're fine. I mean, as far as everything else goes, it sucks. Um, yep. Sure. So, you know, it's, hey, yep. uh, it's rough, but, um, you know, what are you going to do day by day, day by day? And you're oh, in New York. True. Yeah. Yeah. We're in Manhattan, which I have to say is so much better now than it was in March. It was really kind of scary at the time and our okay. numbers are so much better now. And so everybody feels 
I think a little bit more free to be outside, to walk around. Everybody, I mean, honestly, like 98% of the people I see down in the streets are wearing a mask. Awesome. It, it's fantastic. Like there's a really nice sense about that, you know, and I am, I'm like this close to asking people when they're not wearing a mask, be like, just out of curiosity, like, have you had COVID? You know, like what is, because I'm, I'm wondering, there must be people out there who feel like if they've had it already and they have the antibodies, they must think that they're, you know, perhaps immune or they should be less worried. You know, of course, science is out. I don't know what the real verdict is on that, but, but, uh, you know, I'm like this close, but then I'm also like, yeah, but I live in New York. Best not to ask. <laughs> well, well, they I said in Spain that that people are getting reinfected. Oh, great. Um, great. Uh, you're allowed to carry a gun around here, so in uh, Tennessee, so I'm not asking anybody why they don't have a mask on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I want to. Yikes! Oh well. I uh, like the nose thing. Anyway, it's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that whole thing. Like, maybe you. I was like, does your nose not work? Do you not breathe through your nose? Is that why it's under here? Like, what are you doing? I know. What are you doing? I know. I know. I know. Works. I was just in Spain. I've had it. I've had it. Me too. So we, oh. oh, yeah. Carrie and I, we have these moments where, like, just wear a goddamn mask. Please. Wear like, a wear, mask. What's wrong with you? Just do it. Like, really, had we done this back in March, it wouldn't have been in. I, I, right. We would be working again. We would be working. Hey, people. Wear a mask. We want to work. <laughs> I don't think people, I don't think the young kids realize that they are disturbing so many people's lives. No, no, not at all. No, no, no. And I, look, listen, like, it's wonderful to be young. It's wonderful to feel invincible. We've all felt that way. I dare say we try to continue to feel that way because so much of our job depends on a level of confidence that is somewhat unnatural. Um, but, you know, like, I think the young people are kind of, you know, the ones who are really, truly kind of reckless about it. It's just, it's just unfortunate, you know, it's the unfortunate way I think of human nature and, and it's unfortunate not to be able to get through to people and little kids can do it. You know? well, how is your son dealing with all this? Yeah, he's okay, actually. He's okay. It's so much better. Like I said, so much better that we can go to the park and, and get out of the house. And I feel, I'm, I'm, I just generally feel more relaxed, I think, than I did in March and in April. We quarantined for like two and a half months. Just, yeah. we really, we didn't leave the apartment. I mean, New York was really bad, you know, and my, we live with my mom and she's 78. So there was, there's just no, there's no taking of chances and there still isn't. Right. So we're very careful. You know, we, although my mom's like, my mom's very strong, obviously in, in, in lots of different ways, but she'll go out to eat. Like she'll go to the corner and she'll kind of go and eat out at the restaurant, but she'll go early, you know, when they're not as many right. people and, you know, try to have a semblance of a life. Right. Um, so we're fine. We're okay. I mean, life-wise, like, because there's no work, I can't send my son to his school. Um, so that sucks. Flat out sucks, sucks, sucks. And so that's been, and that was kind of like a, a bit of a, it was a bit of a left, out of left field thing that happened just two weeks ago because I had, well, long and long the short of it is that I thought that even though I was still figuring things out financially with the school, I thought he'd be able to like at least do online school because I wasn't even going to send him in. Uh, and then they were like, well, no, because, because he's not like fully enrolled because of these things. And, and I, and I realized, I understand why, of course, like I get it, but on the other, on the human side, I don't get it. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that would be hard to swallow too. From, yeah, so, from, yeah. You know, so it is what it is. I mean, again, we're still lucky that I can, you know, he and I did summer school type work together all summer. 
because I, uh, you know, after the, from March till June virtual school, they did learn and they did a lot, but I still think it's like, keep, keep reviewing the things, you know, kids seem to forget their name over the summer, right? So. How old is he now? He's 10. Oh, he's 10. What a great yeah. age. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so great. I mean, he's so very much like a human. <laughs> he's such a person. <laughs> so what kind of singing have you done? In the last six months. Uh, well, let's see. La, 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 la. Here we go. No. That's about the extent of it, isn't it? Yeah. Right? No, I would say like in the beginning, we did a little bit um, uh, for a couple different things. Did a bunch of sort of like videos. I did a nice program for Carnegie Hall, which was fun to put together. Yeah. Um, a bunch of like little different things that were more about the music that I wanted to sing versus like all the opera, heavy opera, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was able to teach this summer, the young artists at Glimmerglass. I did it virtually, right. teach artists, which was great and sort of kept me, even if I wasn't singing every day, it kept me up, up kept me upright, which was important because I stopped teaching while I was sitting because I knew I had hours of it throughout the day. So I set myself up oh. with my computer like high so cool. I could stay. So I stood and taught for like four, four to five hours, depending on who I had a day. Um, so that was good just to kind of keep me on my feet because I thought, you know, God, when we get back to rehearsal and I'm walking around, I'm going to be like, hold on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, stop it. You're too young for that. Holy. No, but, you know, it's, you forget like, well, well, we don't forget, but you know, it's like, we know that after decades of singing and decades of doing what we do, you know, you take like six months off and frightening. Not gonna it right when you get back, right? No. So you know, I'll, I'll sing and I'll vocalize and I'll, I'll do things. I just recorded actually the Habanera just now for a thing for Opera for Peace that's going to come oh, out in October. So that was fun to just do that. And I actually have a couple more things I'm going to do for Carnegie coming up. Um, so more project, trying to do them project-based. If there, if there's not a project coming up, it's really hard, I think, to, to sit and practice, I, which is crazy because I have a, a, excuse my French, a shit ton of stuff I need to learn for next season. Yeah. And uh, it's just hard. It's weird to have this gigantic void, you know, and, and not having something to look forward to is really it's hard. It's hard to yeah. keep your motivation when you don't have that goal, I find, without yeah. that goal in mind. So, totally. 100%. Yeah. I think it's hard to plan and focus when you're waiting to see if somebody's going to cancel something too, because you don't know. So do I learn this? Do I focus on this just to keep my brain and my soul healthy? And then, but you're, there's somewhere in you that's also thinking, oh crap, man. I mean, I know that they're going to, they're going to pull yeah. the plug on this. They're going to cancel it, but you still never know. So, I mean, I don't know. There could be a miracle and we could have a vaccine by December 1st. And then I better be ready to go by December 20, whatever, to right. go to that job and sing. <laughs> So yeah. it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, but absolutely. muscle memory is muscle memory. I feel and I've found getting back to singing. Your muscles just kind of go because we're we're yeah. professional athletes. You know, we're yeah. it's not like we're young kids learning how to sing. We've done yeah. this for a while, and I think our muscles they know once you start to go. Hey guys, pick up. Mine really I seemed to come back really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I've always felt that whole professional athlete thing is exactly what I talk about too. I think it's it's right on because it's it's you know I always say like if you run marathons or things like that and you do it regularly then your body's accustomed to it you take a month off like you're not going to immediately go back to do a marathon but you'll go for like a short jog you'll be a little bit sore 
But the next yeah. day you do it longer and longer. And then it, within a shorter amount of time, you get back to it, right? It doesn't take you this, you know, yeah. 12 years to get back into it, right? So, yeah. yeah I gave myself is, a month to get back and I felt yeah. like I was singing better than ever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, tell me this, if your son is not in school and you're having to teach him at home, as well as teaching voice lessons, as well as preparing for projects, how are you like managing that schedule? Because that sounds like crazy, crazy town to me. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. So at the moment, he's just now, we took last week off because it was kind of a mess, even though he would have started school, but we basically, we had stopped. We just, I just built, and I was like, I can't, I can't. Yeah. So, and he had been doing, like I said, schoolwork all summer with me. So he's technically only been off for maybe three weeks to four weeks total since March okay. in that in the sense of school. So I felt less guilty about taking last week off and kind of easing into this week. Mm -hmm. But I would say, so like what I did over the summer, which was I, I basically, I would prepare his work for the week on the weekend. I would just sit down and kind of get creative. I would I have a math book that I like to go through with him. So I would start with a chapter and I would say, please read this chapter and then answer the questions at the end of the chapter. And then we can go through it and talk about it. Um, for English, I would always, we were working a lot on cursive this summer. So I want him to continue just his practicing with that, which really had to just copying. So he has books that he's reading. He really loves reading the Hardy Boys books right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's super fun, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, they're yeah. sexist in places. And so I have to, I have to like look at that with him and sometimes, but he's like savvy now because we talk about it. And so cool. sometimes he'll come up and he'll be like, yeah, he kind of said something like, well, you throw like a girl. And I was like, well, that sounds like a compliment to me. What do you think? And he goes, well, yeah, boys and girls can throw. So I don't know why he said that. And I was like, well, they used to think blah, blah, blah. We would have those kinds of conversations. Okay. That's great. So, yeah. So, so, but what I make him do is I'll have him write out the first page which is usually like half a page because of the chapter number mm -hmm. in cursive and then he finishes the chapter and then he has to write like a sentence or two about it awesome. so just kind of general english work and then we get creative i was doing science and art so i'd have him like research electric cars and then draw one and oh, then have him stuff that i know he's interested in and then artwork could be anything it could be like draw me you know 10 different types of ears from animals that you know or draw like you know again just try to get creative yeah. so we'll probably can do a lot of that and um i just have to double check what the syllabus is really for fifth graders in general and what he should know over yeah. the course of the year which is really kind of the the only kind of parameter that makes it is most um, important <laughs> it's been really interesting talking to my friends with kids, um, whether or not they put them in school or whether they kept them at home and um, those that kept them at home, it's, uh, it's really interesting to see and to talk about the dynamics of how that works and what works yeah. for their family and the schedules, especially with moms uh, working at home too. So um, it's, yeah, it's insanity, but somehow they're making it work. And um, I think the kids just miss their friends the most. So how's he dealing with all that? Yeah really it I was gonna say that the only reason to go to school to be honest <laughs> and I probably felt this way too as a kid was to see your friends yeah right have, was to have also a social network outside of your home you know where right. you're allowed to also create your own identity right because so much of growing up I think has to do with identity outside of your home right for a lot of people um 
and so I think he's missing, he's missing that a lot. You know, he luckily he has uh, one of my cousins, her son is the same age and they live all the way off on the West Coast. So they're dealing with the fires and everything. Oh, like God. It's awful, it's really bad. But her son, her son Moe's and my son, of course, they love to play video games together. So they're always FaceTiming each other. Oh. And I'll hear them when, when they're allowed to play on their iPad. That's of course the other thing. <laughs> they, um, they chit chat, you know, and then they play video games together. And awesome. Any, some other friends it's basically like what the kids do at this point you know? yeah yeah um, so you know, we have a couple friends we try to see here who we know are also just as careful just health wise and go to the park with them mm, soon do the best, best you can yeah right so what's... I'm the one that doesn't get my work done this is pretty much the issue is just <laughs> better generally speaking i'm the one that's always behind so the reason like i'm always late with emails and i'm because i'm you know, and then I'm cooking three meals a day. <laughs> you're doing three three full-time jobs, you know? You're right, a teacher, like, you're a mother, and you're an opera singer. And you also have your, your is a chats. Yeah, I know. Those are kind of like tapered off a little bit. But I'll, I, get, oh. I, I get to them from time to time. Well, you just did a really cool one with Alec Baldwin. I was like, girl. I, I know. I'm like, girl, fess up. How do you know him? How'd that work I out? Know. I know how you know him. <laughs> <laughs> uh no you know it's funny actually it's, we're not like close friends or anything um it's i used to when i used to go see my teacher for lessons at her house many years ago uh they used to live in that building um and so every now and then we would end up in the elevator together and okay. so it was, oh hello hello it was just very you know i was young or i was like college and then master's students so i was always like <laughs> but you know See them from time to time say hello whatever you know and um and then i would say most recently in the last few years we've we've been at some of the same events like i went to a couple events invited by some other friends of mine who also happen to be close friends or close yeah i think they're close friends with them actually so i just happened to be like oh hello hello again not super close and then i um you know, one day I was, uh, we follow each other on Instagram, but like one day I just said, you know, what the hell? I was like, I'm just gonna send a message and just say, hey, you know, we had actually chatted previous to that about something business related. And then um, I thought, you know, why don't I just ask if he'd be willing to do the chat? It's hard to ask, you know, yeah. that's it. You just ask. Exactly. So I was like, hey, by any chance would you be interested? And he said, actually, yeah, sure, let's do it. So we chatted on the phone, you know, had a little pre-conversation about what we wanted to discuss because um, there's so much that we can right. discuss, we can all discuss right now. And then we did that. So it was great. It's terrific. Yeah. I loved it. It was fun. Yeah. So what's your next job back as of right now? Let's be positive. Let's like, let's go positivity. My job back is next fall. Fall of 2021. Okay. Really? <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. Uh, I'm how do you positive, pay? but really? Yeah, like how, yeah. how are you paying what your rent happened? between now and then? That's a hot well, mess, girl. I'm assuming that my job in January and February are not going to happen. I'm supposed to go to the LA Phil in January, but I don't have a contract yet. And um, and I'm supposed even it's 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 publicized on their website, but um, and then I'm supposed to go to I'm supposed to work at the Met at the new Don, in the new Don Giovanni. Oh, it's not a new Don Giovanni. Sorry, it's they're going to use the old production. We're supposed to do that in February, but I got to tell you, I'm not sure they're going to open. You know, I'm not sure it's going to. We are interviewing Peter Geld next week, so we'll let you know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, 
I mean, I really hope it does. It'd be great. Or to do, you know, the recitals or any of those kinds of things to make some money. But um, yeah, I, I, so I don't think, and then interestingly enough, I was supposed to do something. Originally, we were thinking of doing something with St. Louis Opera for, I think it was like March, April, that period of time. But I ended up saying no to the offer because there were just too many things that were just didn't make sense about it but this was right pre this was pre-covid like right before mm -hmm. COVID. so it means that i don't actually have anything in that period of time which in a normal season would have been a fantastic pause right right yeah. i would have been now doing carmen then i would have done a tour in november with this great guitar group called los romeros which we're not quite sure what's happening with that yet and the problem is is that was uh organized by columbia artists and since columbia artist has um closed we're not sure what's happening so again literally like almost everything i have this this season i tell you it was like was clearly not meant to be right right but things are changing so quickly you know the, yeah. the phone rings i get emails now saying hey can you be here on saturday you know and it's wednesday and you're like oh okay so i think you know i think things are going to start to happen i hope so i mean i'm Possibly. not I, i'm not sure i, I it's been it's been strange um and i don't, I don't know I, I, again like i said i don't know what's going to happen with january february um i guess we were supposed to do another tour of the of the romeros group in the spring you know so maybe that will have more chance of happening but since nothing has none of these places have been in contact none of them none of the groups and none of the places have been in contact to say what their plans are right so i have to assume that none of it's going to happen, yeah. right? I don't and think they know, do you think? No. I, there's so I much know. up in the air. Yeah. I'm sure that they don't know. I'm sure everybody's waiting for a lot of different pieces of information. And just as the artist, as we all know, you kind of have to operate like you're not going to have the job because then you need to, you know, you need to start today in that mindset. Uh, you know, it's like in March when all of this started, I knew we were in it for a year. I knew, two, I knew 2020 was gone yeah. for most. So in March, I canceled all my subscriptions. I mean, I canceled everything I could to bring all of those bills down to in like the hundreds of dollars, right? right. Smart, um, smart, smart. So I did that and I did the best that we could all summer. It was, like I said, great to work for Lumberglass and to do a little work. I'm actually doing some work, luckily, for uh, for WNO this, cool. this year to be sort of like an artistic consultant and work with the young artists. Um, awesome. So that's great. And that's like teaching, you know, which is... Yeah. Do you like it. it? Do you like teaching via Zoom? I do. I don't mind it. You know, I, I've done a lot of my own lessons over the last years, well before COVID, over, uh, not Zoom, but over FaceTime or Skype. Um, so, you know, you get, I'm not unaccustomed to it, I guess. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully next summer will work out. I was supposed to go to Glimmer Glass to do Marie and Sound of Music. Maybe we can do it next summer. So again, it's all these things. Oh, yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, they are. Place. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Carrie and I, we, we're now calling, we're not the screaming divas anymore. More, we're the divas in the woods. <laughs> I love it. It's I a scary move. Entendre there, you're like, we're all kind of in the woods right now. Oh my God. Like, just like forging, trying to like, where's the light? Get me out of here. No, I was downtown Nashville and I, and we just, with my husband not being able to go back into the office until the new year, at least that's what they told him. I said, can we please get out of here? I just, I was tired of the box. And, um, and he, I think he was tired. He listened to me yakking to people on the phone all day. So, um, so we're like, you're in 750 square feet, Carrie. Okay. It was teeny tiny. So, people? no. Yeah. No. 
so anyway, so we moved to the woods and, and now I've got my paint samples up because this is the worst color I think I've ever seen on a wall. It's horrible. Can you oh, see all these paints? <laughs> Isn't that fun? Notice them until you pointed them out right now. I want wallpaper. Yeah, I just ordered removable wallpaper. Who knew? Remove where did you order that from? Um, 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 um I'm going to tell you when I find I want to know. I'm super tempted too, because it's just, you know. Something fun and it sticks yeah. on there and it comes off. They show you how to do it. It is yep. really like putting a screen protector on your phone. You know, you put it on and then you use the scraper to get all the bubbles out of it. And, um, and you can order samples. So I ordered samples. I did my research about which company to order from. And so I have seven samples coming and we are gonna have some girly fun up in here. My husband is not allowed to have any opinion about this room that I'm in right now. It is all mine. Isn't that fun? It's your own space. I love it. Okay, well tell me I'm really hungry. Definitely. Now, question for you. Yeah. You were talking about singing Maria and the Sound of Music. Oh yeah. So, not quite operatic. Uh-huh. You sing and you've done, I mean, I saw you do The Tempest, which was what a world premiere, correct? Of a new opera. You did Marnie. Yeah, technically, because I think they had done it at Ian a while okay. back. But yeah. But a new opera, like a yeah. new opera. You did Marnie at the Met as well. Cool. But you also sing like Broadway, Maria and the Sound of Music, as well as opera. How do you, bugs? outside bugs how do you deal with the different vocal challenges of singing different music um i mean i think i think i ultimately i try to approach everything the same way you know so that it's not so much like oh i have to do this technically differently in some other in some other genre um but i but we're also living like next to a scaffolding at the moment it's super fun New York City. Oh, hey. New York City. Yeah. yeah. They were like, hey, quarantine, by the way, we're not removing the scaffolding and they're going to be working the entire time. Oh, yay. Yay. <laughs> Happy life. Oh, <laughs> no. In March, we were like, you're kidding me. Yeah. Okay. But so um, I would say that, so like for the opera stuff, I think what I think more of is like level of, maybe level of fullness and level of volume differences, mm -hmm. right? So doing something obviously with the opera, right? We're all, it's like when we did Norma, you know, it's very, so much more just like all the time, right? Versus, <laughs> that's me, oh, not you. Exactly. Versus like, exactly. Liquid cold. Mine's a little like, Wah! but, um, <laughs> but uh, then with, you know, with more like sound of music, something like that, which to me, I always think of, of as classical musical theater. Right. Yeah. You know, more like legit singing in musical theater versus something like Rent, which I wouldn't do, right? Um, you know, I just think of it more as like my take, still my technique, still my voice, but just like the like a cleaner version of it or a simplified version of it. So instead of like, oh, yes, oh, yes, you know, nothing like that. It's just a simple, just the way my voice would come out a little bit less um, trained, so to speak. But with the same idea that it still has to be placed well, I still have to take good breaths, I still have to do all those, all those kinds of things. Um, yeah, I try not to change too, 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 too much. I'll probably change, you know, if I were to do something, like I think for Carnegie, I might do something from Into the Woods, actually, which is what made me laugh, because Sondheim's genius. And um, stuff like that, you know, 
I would probably consider like not holding every long note forever and ever and ever, right? Just to thinking of it even more textually and more about, um, you know, how you how you would say it like a play, how you would how you would do it if you were just acting. It's like just acting with no singing. Um, can you um, do me a huge favor though when you get to the sound of music? That when you get to the part where she sings the goat song, you know, like like that one. Yeah. Can you do that in operatic voice and then in your Maria voice, like, and then send me that video? I would really, that would make my day. Like both of them? You're like, I also hear. I don't like the other version. I know. Oh, That's, no. I tell you, oh. we went out, uh, Francesca, then Bella, and I, because we were, we were up in Poop Town a little bit this summer. We went out yeah. to a met a goat who was like not having it. And there's a little video. She does these glimmer glass glimpses, yeah. which are right. fun. And there's a little video of me like singing to this goat. I was like, I on the hill was a lonely goat. Later, later, later. The goat's like, uh. <laughs> it didn't do the scream. The scream goat. Those are the best. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, oh no. to this we have come. Yes, girls, ladies. Yeah, we need a little laugh. I want to ask you on. another question. We do need a laugh. So oh when God. we did Norma together here in Toronto, yes, you have. I, I am fascinated. One of my one of my biggest fascinations. I'm a bit of a vocal geek. How people. I love listening. Yeah, Huge. love listening to how people warm up. Oh, uh oh. <laughs> and I the way it. you. I knew you always were listening to me. That's why I warmed up at the apartment and came in whenever I said. <laughs> That's not fair. That's, That's not fair. No, but it's, it's, it's Adele, your way of warming up is a lot different than I've heard before. It's oh. a lot calmer. It's not, um, so many singers just bang their voice, you know, for 15, 20 minutes. And then they go, up. not Carrie, of course, not Carrie, because I've never heard Carrie warm up. <laughs> no, but it was, it was really interesting listening to you warm up. You take a long time. It was very calm and not aggressive, you know? Can we talk a little bit about who taught you that, what your vocal warm up is and your, all of that? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I would say that the vocal warm-up itself probably changes from day to day. I mean, as it would, I'm assuming you guys too, you know, depending on kind of how you're feeling and what you need day to day, right? Um, I would say between my teacher, who I had at Juilliard, Edith Burrs, and who I, she's the person who built my voice, basically, from 17 until, you know, I left school and years after that, of course. Um, and a woman, Linda Carroll, who I work with a lot as well, who's in New York, who's really a, a speech pathologist. She's more, um, she's really interesting and she has a lot more of a, she's got like a more mechanical perspective on the voice and how we use it. And Edie has always taught me in a very kind of organic, uh, holistic sort of a way. So I've got this cool word, organic yeah. and holistic. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I started, it's always been organic and holistic for me from the start. And when, um, so I very much like in the beginning didn't know necessarily on a mechanical level what I was doing when I was first singing. And I was lucky that I didn't have too many bad habits because I started, I never had a voice teacher before I got to college. So she, so she got me in kind of a raw, but like luckily not too screwed up 
state. Um, and again, everything was very like organic and holistic. It was very about just keep singing, keep release your air, like get into the text, have it all be one unified thing. Um, and then after I had my baby, who's now 10, as we know, um, I was feeling that my support had kind of just gone really just, I don't even know where it went. And I had asked Edie, I said, you know, I still, I'm kind of in this elusive place about my support and even more so now, like Rossini used to be really easy for me from day one. And then after I had a baby, it never felt the same ever. Mm. And I think that a lot of it just has to do with the support, right? And, or the way the body, you know, my body came from, I danced also. So I had a very strong core when I learned how to sing. So a lot of those things that, you know, when you think about how you learned how to sing and what state your body was in, when you really got to like a great place technically, if your body then shifts from that, it's, it's obvious that your technique is going to feel funky, right? Or your singing is going to feel funky. Yeah. So then she was the one that had said, you should go see Linda. So that's why I started working with Linda. Um, and so she has taught me kind of over the years, a more mechanical way of thinking about my voice. So I would say by the time we did Norma, I had a bit of the two things from a lot of the two things sort of mixed and involved in, mm-hmm. in the world. So a lot of the warm-ups in the beginning for me have a lot to do with physicality and a lot to do with stretching and breathing um, and really getting my body to a point of like flexibility uh, before I even start singing. Because I can feel like if I take a breath through my nose and I'm stiff anywhere in my body, the singing comes out hard. Yeah. Uh, so I try to go through a lot of like breathing exercises. Um, I would say, yeah, after like stretching, then breathing exercises through the stretching. Uh, and then again, like slow exercises to get the voice to just wake up. Because again, I just also know myself and I've done it before that if I, if I jam it in there, like if I get up in the morning and just try to sing, I screw myself up the whole day. It's just the way my mechanism is. Like if I am not gentle with myself, it's done for the day for the most part. And it takes that much extra work to sort of like coax it back into where it needs to be. It's just like, it's just like too sensitive or something. I don't know. It's annoying, to be honest. (laughs) At least you know it. Yeah. At least you understand how it works. Totally. We're all really different. So like, and I've felt many times there'd be those days, you know, rushing to like the coaching or rushing to rehearsal and even trying to go like in the taxi or like, no, 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 whatever it is that I do is not enough for me. No. Um, so, so yeah, so I'll go slow and. And, um, and I've also recently, not too recently, but in the last, probably mostly four or five years with more conscious thought, uh, I've spent a lot more time thinking about my speaking voice Hmm. and how that's produced so much, especially I think as an American speaker, you know, we're all very like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's very much in the back. It's not like the Italians were like, hey, come on, come on, come on, come mm-hmm. on, come on. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's so wonderful for singing. Yes. But, so, so I've been thinking a lot about that and all of the things that I would teach also in terms of like in a coaching or that I would be coached on, whether I work with Edie or Linda, I try to actually apply it into the speaking. So even simple things, you know, like saying like the letter N, so instead of it being like, mm, like a hard N, which doesn't work for singing, right? Because you have that light, mm, kind of very vibrating N, try to 
add that into the speak as well because then I just feel like I'm reinforcing good habits while I'm speaking. Yes. So that's less guilty about not singing for a week if my speaking for the week. <laughs> but if you're it's good properly and then proper yeah. skin, you know, yeah. you it's use true. a straw. Yes, I do. In fact, I have like a million next to me, but I happen to have my metal one right here. <laughs> ah, I need. So a I do use a straw. I actually use a straw. I have this little bottle. Honestly, I think I might have gotten this. This is so gross. From the cafeteria in um, Amsterdam when I was there in December or November. And I decided, I was like, I can't throw, I hate plastic anyway. So I was like, I didn't want to throw it out. But it's kind of the perfect size. And I have this, yeah. this is so guys. I have this little thing, this funky little thing. Look at this. It's got like a spring in it. It's oh. for a pencil. So it's actually, you put your pencil in it and then it's magnetic and you put it on your music stand. Awesome. So oh my gosh, that's so cool. I want yeah. one. It's like a musician thing, but I put my straw, I use it for my straw so that then I can put my straw like right at the, where I want it at the bottom and I don't have to hold it. Cause you know, sometimes you have to hold the straw with the thing. So it doesn't right. touch. I don't have to do that with this. <laughs> oh, Carrie, we need to get this. It's so silly, right? So, you know, fill it up, whatever. Cool. You know, I, um, Sandra and I talk about our vocal, we call it drama trauma. Uh, cause I got into vocal trouble in college and I didn't until because of that, that taught me about the speaking voice and the health of it and how important that was for me personally, because I am a talker. I could talk to everybody, hundreds of phone calls all day long. Like, Hello, I know. And uh, it's a little rude sometimes that people are like, I gotta go carry. And I'm like, no, 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 but wait, wait. Anyway, so <laughs> I had to learn to actually talk correctly so that it didn't affect and I could live the life the way I wanted to live my life and be me. It also helped me with all those events that we have to go to right after a show. You've sung Verdi, whatever, Puccini, your voice sometimes feels like it's on the floor. But I knew I had to sing in 20, 48 hours. And then how could I communicate in these kinds of, of settings? So I think that there's, um, I think that's a really important thing, I think, to actually teach up and coming young singers, too, is that your speaking voice is just as important as your singing voice so i love that we talked about that that's awesome and warming down yeah. too. warming down yes you yes. do that as well don't you isabel yeah i try to i mean there are many a times that i forget but i say i'm so much better about it now because i decided that i'm no longer going to be bashful about it so the minute the bows are over or even actually you know from your last from your last thing on stage depending on whether you go from the last thing to directly two bows or maybe you have like two minutes the minute you're done singing taking off my costume and I'm like Ooh, you know whatever literally warming it down and then I've had plenty of colleagues you know I walk off stage and I'm like walking through the stage I'm like and I hear behind me hey, guess what you're still singing we had why not two great interviews with two speech pathologists slash voice uh, teachers and they both talked about First thing in the morning, before you even start to speak, warm up the voice. Not a long time, but just say, hey, guys, we're going to go and play now. Mm -hmm. And also warming down. Yeah. Mm. I, let you know, I love the idea of warming up my singing voice before I start speaking. It would be so helpful. It would be so difficult, though. But I, would, I think I would try for sure. It's hard, you know, when your child's like, mama, 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 sure. mama. I remember the Marilyn Horn saying before she put her toe on the floor, 
that she checked to see if she had her high B. I think it was a high B or a high flat. Do I have it today? And that was her vocal warm up just to see if she could go, you know, up and down. So, I mean, how many of us have landed bed though in the morning when we wake up? We're like, hmm. never, never, never. Uh, or, or going, I have no voice. Oh my God, what am I going to do? My husband's like, yep. no more vocal drama trauma. John, <laughs> right. our, our piano tuner here up here in Canada, um, John Vickers literally lived not even a half a mile away from us. And so we had the same piano tuner. And he said every morning before John Vickers spoke, he warmed up. Well, and he did pretty well. Cool. I think it's a great idea, honestly, because for the most part, I know when I wake up and I start speaking, it's awful. It's just awful. I sound like a frog, you know. Well, we have oh. the time now. So maybe, you know, yeah. they say that it takes six months for, for a habit to become part of your life. So mm -hmm. for six nope. months, maybe we all need to start. Six months. I thought it was like two weeks. <laughs> all the habits that we've occurred then over the last six months of not doing nada. Well, <laughs> it takes six months to start a habit, and it takes six months to break a habit. Oh, this Here. is oh so, yeah. Thanks, Sandra. <laughs> I mean, I should have had alcohol today after that comment. Damn. Um. Okay, Isabel, I have a really um, uh, probably annoying question, but I'm very nosy and have to know this. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Um. A. I know you have several Grammys, but I don't know how many. And B. Where are they? And do they go in your suitcase with you when you travel? <laughs> scary would be like plonk yeah i'm like everybody look at my grammy <laughs> that would be like your phone that would be like the thing on your phone for your finger right your grammy yeah it was like, like hi <laughs> um how many do you have <laughs> okay there's two um one was for the l'enfant les sortilages that i did with seiji ozawa in japan in my in vessel in matsumoto um, and then the other one was for the Tempest. Cool. So, and for best opera recording. So there, there are a lot of people in these projects, right? So they, they are, uh, awarding, you know, a group of people, which is really amazing. Right. Um, and then Carrie, you're going to hate this answer. <laughs> they're, oh no, wait, they're not in storage. Okay. So I, we live in Chicago. For, I know, look at her face. I know. I look, I love, <laughs> love all these things. And, the thing is, is like, we, like I said, we live with my mom, so this is not my full home, right? Okay. We moved, we lived here in New York for a while, and then Tay and I moved to Chicago for a couple of years. So in Chicago, yes, I did have them. They were in the living room, and they were on a shelf with a couple of other awards, okay. off in some corner of the living room, whatever. And I have to tell you, it's mainly because one of my girlfriends out there, like, forced me to put them, <laughs> forced me to put them on the wall, because they had been in the box. Um... Oh, that girlfriend. I'd be like, no, girl, get them out. It's just, my like. it's just my personality. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. What to tell you. So, but it was nice. Once they were out there, I was like, you know, that's just nice. It's a nice accolade. It's a nice, you know, just whatever. Uh, you worked hard for it. You, you did. And not yeah. everybody has one. So I'm all for like, where are they behind you in this video? Like, hey, I'm Isabel. I've got two Grammys. Oh. Twins. <laughs> 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 Exactly. No, I'm, I'll give you a, the reason I am the way I am is because I have the mother that I have. And my mother was like, have you seen the number of categories they have to give Grammys to? I was like, thanks. 
I'm gonna go cry in a corner. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we left Chicago, and I actually I put all of our stuff uh, in a storage unit that right. I still have my things in. But I gave all of my awards. Not gave. I I, I asked my that same friend who still lives in Chicago okay. if she would hold on to a box for me that has yeah. the more kind of call it valuable awards i figured it would be safer for her to have them up in her closet than in a storage unit so. sure sure well so, if she gets tired if she gets tired of holding on to that just i'll send you my address you can send it to Carrie <laughs> alchema carrie will be she is, i will, I will hold on to them forever <laughs> <laughs> it's true she just about it from time to time she'd be like would you would you mind if i like took them out from time to time <laughs> be like dust them off you know okay one. So let's talk about critics and reviews. Ah. I know. We got we to gotta hear it. Everybody, like, just like vocal warm-ups, everybody's yeah. different. Do you read them? Do you not read them? Is so, it a bait of your existence? I only read them when Matthew sends them to me. When Matthew <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Um, okay. Yeah, because he, he vets them out well. If somebody else sends them to me, I'm very cautious about reading them because most people don't quite know what is going to be offensive or not. <laughs> um, but also, like, we all know, we all know the reviewers at this point. You could write the review for so-and-so and so-and-so without reading it. You know what they're going to say before they even write it. It's so, um, so honestly, like, I've gotten to a place now where, uh, you know, our business is, is being hit so unbelievably hard because of the pandemic. And, um, and I'd like to call out the entire community of reviewers to do a better job when we all come back as well. Because I'm sorry that, like, as far as I'm concerned, I never read reviews that are actually, I don't care if it's a bad review. Give me cr criticism or constructive criticism or whatever. Like, there's nothing somebody can say to me that is going to be worse than things I've either said to myself or have heard from <laughs> personal close members of my family, right? Or, so. I don't, I don't need that, right? But what I do need is I need this business on the whole to survive. I need all of my colleagues and all of my friends to have a job for as long as they can sing and as long as they want a job, which means that it's not just our responsibility to keep the business going. It's everybody's responsibility that has something to do with this business to keep it going, which includes the reviewers and the critics. It includes them writing something that is going to inspire people to come and see the production, even if they did not like the production, right? right? And there's so often that you read stuff that doesn't inspire anything like that. It's usually mm. them just talking about what they know, Yeah, you know, and or, it's not a art as, as something that is, you know, that yeah. should empower people to have opinions about. It's about their opinion and that's it. Good for or you. they're extremely uneducated about the art form. And I read right. something that I think are, ha, did, what? what? Do you know anything about opera or classical music in general? I mean, who is this? Or, or sometimes I found out that it's somebody who has maybe seen five shows, who's 19 years old and was reviewing people that have been on stage for 20 years. And I'm thinking, you don't, I, I'm sorry. I have a problem with that because you don't know what you're talking about. What so people that actually love opera review opera. Right. I agree. And again, it's not, you know, there are going to be reviewers that say, and I've spoken to reviewers and I've had conversations with them where I've said, what is your end goal? What are you trying to do with your review? Tell me, I'm very curious. Because if you write a review that is scathing or that is in some way soul crushing to the right. artist, that doesn't make sense to me. Tell yeah. me that you like their performance for X, Y, and Z reasons, but don't also assassinate them 
as a soul and as a performer. I said, because that does nothing for, for any, that doesn't do anything. Right. No, it doesn't um, help anybody. Talk, no, and, about, talk about what you did. Don't criticize yeah. us or attack us personally. Because well, and we know, we know there's, there could be the t-shirt, right. Where we always joke about, you know, when, when there's a good review, uh, in the paper or whatever about a production, right. If the, how does it go? You guys probably help me with it, but it's like, if the reviewer, if they like the production, then they praise like the conductor and the director. But if they don't like the production, they say it's the singer's fault, right? It's like, there's a, <laughs> right. There's like always yeah. this funny, like, <laughs> that go on. Um, I mean, look, and look, and not to be totally, you know, negative about it. There are wonderful people out there who write reviews and who right. you read them and you go, that's, that is how I felt that night, you know, and, and that's all fine and all true. And you know, you know, when you've sung well, and you know, Absolutely. when you've sung well. Yeah. And that's, no, okay. is, is, if you make yeah. yourself happy and if you walk off stage and say, you know what, I yeah. did the best that I could do tonight. Yeah. So and then, no, your, your kid might be sick at home, you know, right. you, you might have, and people don't know exactly what goes on behind. No, they have no idea. I mean, that's the other issue I have, you know, I mean, I do think that opera singers in general, like, I think that the companies could do more talkbacks with the cop, with the opera singers, the people on stage and their audiences and, and allow even more. And I know a lot of companies do this and they're really reaching out into communities, but just more and more and more and more so that, that our audience really feel more connected to us as human beings, right? Because I think if you, you know, if you, when you watch a professional athlete, like these star basketball players, you know, and they have an off night, they're going to, what do they say? Oh, they had an off night, but man, are they good. Yeah. You should see them on an on night. That's right. the kind of thing that's used when they discuss, because there's a sense of value to what they bring to their game yeah. most of the time. But I would say that when people have an off night, they're like, oh, they had an off night. Oh, their career is over. <laughs> yeah, but that's where it ends. Like that's where the conversation ends, rather than being yeah. like he had an off night. It must he must have just had an off night. But like, oh my god, you've got to go back see it again because right. it's so good. Yeah, right. That's that's how you build, I think, culturally too, value of art in general, right? Yes, absolutely. I have to hit pause, guys. One sec. Yeah. <laughs> something in the wind. Oh, oh shit! Okay, this god. is her first day in the woods. <laughs> I've never oh, done outside, Isabel. Like it's it's just so pretty outside. So I just said I have to do it outside. And there you go. I got my in her Canadian sweater. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Can we Sorry. talk about social media, the good, bad, and evil? What you think about it? Do you think it's important for young singers to be on it to have a presence? What do you think that presence should be? Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Isabel. We just threw a whopper at you because it's a big no, one. I think this is a good one and I do think about it. I think for me, there's almost nothing that's sacred anymore, it seems, right? Like you can barely say anything. Like unless you're talking privately with your friends. I mean, this isn't even private, but like if you're talking to a pri privately with your friend, hopefully we could consider those moments as sacred in terms of our ability to say whatever we wish to say without it having to go around. Mm -hmm. I, when I think of anything in social media, I think whatever you post on social media, whatever you say on social media, like you need to be able to back it a hundred percent. It doesn't mean you have to have facts to back what you're saying, but you need to back it you. Like you need to be confident 
that what you're saying and what you're what you're either promoting, uh, whether it's so in social justice, whether it's a product, whether it's whatever it is yourself that you're I mean, yeah, right. Yourself, that it all comes from a place where in 10 years, five years, 20 years, you'll still look at that and not go, Oh my God, what did I do? Right. Cause it's going to be there forever. Like you have to, I always double check. Like, is this a post that means something to me? Is this really a post that comes from me? Do I feel honest and true about this post that I'm making? Um, Good for and you. if all of those answers come up to yes, then I'm happy to post it, you know? And if, even if we're talking something small and it could be like, oh my God, I love my lip gloss today. That's fine. Yeah. You know, because 20 years from now, I'm going to be like, oh, she loved your lip gloss that day. Okay. You know, but I'm not going to go, oh God, Isabel. No. But it would be one thing if I had something where I didn't, you know, I used it once and I didn't really like it. I was like, you guys, I love this new lip gloss. Everybody should buy it, you know? Yeah. Insincere. It's totally insincere. Yeah. And, and we can be very insincere too in posts about productions. You know, we know many times we're in productions that we're either loving or not loving. And we do all these posts, but like, it's so fantastic to be working and blogging and blogging and blogging. I have a really hard time with this. I won't do it. I won't I just do it. Post, I just won't post anything. No. no. I agree with you. Because I, think, I, yeah. I think that right. honesty, no, I, I interrupted you. Sorry. I think honesty and sincerity is a difficult thing to really create. And if you have that, like you do, and I think Carrie as well, then you run with that because people will then believe you. Right. In what you're saying. I, yeah. I think I stayed off of it for a really long time. I mean, like I hardly have any followers because to me, um, if I was gonna post the good, I was gonna post the bad. And there was a lot of bad shit that happened personally to me over the last yeah. you know, five years. And, um, and I, there were things that I, I wanted to post that meant something to me, like on a show or something like that. But the rest of it, it was, it was hard because I thought, oh yeah, I'm being told all the time by management, Carrie, where are you? We need you on social media. And I'm like, yeah, what am I going to post? That my dad just died and that I feel like shit for two years and that I'm having to deal with a guy who was a hit and run driver and I'm in dealing with lawyers every month, every week. Like that's the kind of crap that I didn't personally want to share on social media, but for me to post something because I am so open and honest with who I am, as you all know, um, when you're around me that I, um, it's d extremely difficult for me to post something that's not real. So I, it was, I, I really struggled with it and still struggle with posting um, personal things about myself. Sondra and I have been talking about that and I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, but you know what's interesting? I also, I, I for when I was, maybe not when, just when I first started like Instagram, and really the only one I really like is Instagram. I gotta say, I hate Facebook. I really dislike Twitter. I do them anyway from time to time, but you will find me mostly on Instagram, right? Because it's also visual and I just prefer it. Um, but I, I kind of, I when I was thinking about how to, to do the Instagram and what would make me feel comfortable about it, I kind of gave myself parameters and it was like, what are the things I would like to talk about? And, or what are like, the, even just three things, you okay. know, just the three things that I will be happy to post about um, and what are my, um, giving myself parameters so I never feel like I have to do something just because somebody else is doing it, right? Um, one of them would be obviously work stuff. Any work related thing, like anything social media ultimately comes from my professional side of my life. 
Now, are there personal things that are going to come in into play into all of that? Of course. Um, but they come in through a filter and through whatever I think is appropriate to share of my personal life, because I don't think I have to share anything about my personal life. So okay. whatever I do choose to share from my personal life is something that's very much, um, something I really wish to share with everybody for whatever the reason is, but I've never felt obliged to share one ounce of my personal life. And in interviews as well, I've been very careful and to be like, I'm happy to talk about my son, but I'm not going to talk about anything else. I don't need to talk about my marriage or my ex. I think that's inappropriate. I don't care who they are and I don't care who you are. Right. I did an interview a while ago for a really large um, paper. This is what year, a couple years ago. And they interviewed a bunch of really wonderful people in the business, really big names that we all know. They were all, it was all about my career. It was this lovely, it was a great article. My PR woman was like, this is great. This is great. But they mentioned somebody in my life and my personal life that had no place of being in that article. Not no place whatsoever. And as I went back and looked at this article again, what I realized in that particular situation was that the gentleman who had written this article essentially could not relinquish the fact that a woman could have this article about her career and not mention somebody in her personal life that was a man. And it bothered me. Like, and so I, you know, and I thought, did I not, maybe I wasn't clear enough when I had this interview. Did you have what, control over the content of it? I could not get them to change it. See, that I, is a big problem as well. Problem. And a lot of times I, we would always come in and even before I do interview, we would talk about this with the PR woman. I would say, please make sure we have editing power to yeah. take things out before it goes to print. And a lot of times they'll be like, we just don't do that. So then you either agree or you don't do it at all. Right. So that happens. And I think, but from now on out, you know, you know, you're like, then I'm going to lose it. I'll lose it. And I'll lose the article. I don't care because I don't think it's right. You know? So again, with social media, which is again, like interviews, anything that's social, it's, I think you can just give yourself parameters. So I'll say, well, I love food. So I can always post about food. Mm -hmm. I can always talk about my job. And then I can, and then my third one, which was personal stuff was just sort of molded in the way that I thought was appropriate. I was like, if something happens with my child, it's just so adorable and so sweet. I'll never post a picture of his face, but maybe I'll post something that is, you know, about that, or I'll post what he said, or mm -hmm. maybe a picture from like, from the back, you know, that's far away at a distance that represents what it is that I'm really wanting to share about that particular mm -hmm. moment. Um, and again, because then five, 10 years down the road, when I see that again, it'll also remind me of that moment. Right. So right. it kind of fold. Um, and then, yeah, there've been, there've been days where I've had like crap days and I'll just put on like stories of like, today was a crap day. Really? <laughs> good for you though. You, you know? need the, the good, bad and the ugly, you know, yeah. That's like we are. we're never all positive, positive, positive people. Yeah. And if you are, then I, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry bullshit, you know? No, I was going to be like, what drugs are you on? Exactly. <laughs> Can I have some? <laughs> and also, I mean, it's forever and ever out there. Yeah. And I don't think people realize that. And you're, somebody once told me, your private life is the only thing as performers, as artists, that you are in control of. Yeah. So <laughs> if you open that door, you're done. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. It's a hard thing. I still like, there's, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I have things that I've sat on and I'm like, oh, I think that might be super funny, but, or also like things that happened this summer that were really kind of quite wonderful. But this summer has been such a shit show for so many people. 
And I know that I'm privileged because of I have a husband that has a, a quote unquote real job. And I'm like, I don't want to post that because I know that a lot of my friends are like really suffering right now. And I, and I just like, that would hurt me if I was in their shoes and I saw that I would be like, I'm happy for her, but I'm really sad that I don't have the ability to do something like that. Does that make sense? So it was like postings on, on that kind of a level is really, it's hard. It's, it was even hard, like saying now I'm in the woods because we were for, I had saved a nest egg. We were for, we both did. We were fortunate enough to have the money to move and buy a house. But it's like, I know that there are people that can't get out of their situations the right now. So it's, it's been really difficult for me as far as like how much I want to put on online. Yeah. Because everybody compares everybody, everybody to everything. And well, but you know what I think ultimately too is that just like what you said, that last thing is so important, right? People are going to compare no matter what. And that's the other thing, right? So ultimately you have to say to yourself, I have to be true to myself. That's the only person I can be true to. Because even the people you think you're being true to could go and talk about and compare and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So be true to yourself and do whatever resonates with you. And, and you're so caring and so wonderful. And you, and I totally understand not wanting to post sometimes those things. I know that there have been plenty of things where I just will like gloss over maybe a positive or gloss over even a negative just to kind of, you know, cause I don't necessarily feel like it's necessary in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, it's, we, we all know this is like, you can't please everybody. Right. Oh, I know. And now there, <laughs> I am that person, I'm that middle child that people, please. No, in my but you're also, and then you're also a performer. So, um, you know, we all have, I think surely because of, in a way how we're bred as performers, there's something I've been thinking about this a lot recently, actually, where, and I don't, I don't think it's just the opera world, but for us being in the opera world, I feel like we've been bred in terms of performers to feel um, privileged every time we walk on stage, right? And I think there is a privilege to it. And I, but I'm trying to, I was trying to separate what the privilege actually is. And I think the privilege is to be in a way lucky enough that you can do a job that you really enjoy, right? And it happens to be singing, happens to be dressing up, putting makeup on, right? But it's your job. And it is a job that you're hired for. So when you're hired for something, you have the privilege of doing this because you live in a country in which you can work, in which you have been able to get the training, in which you've been able to do all of these things. Um, but this is now your job, right? And so it's no longer, like we're no longer beholden to this privilege of like, oh, I should be, I don't know how to explain this really well, you guys. Maybe maybe you're, maybe you, you understand what I'm saying, but like, I think that we, in a way, as performing artists and as singers, we live that the sort of starving artist lifestyle has been ingrained in us for so long that with that comes a lot of um, devaluing of what we actually do. Because everybody goes, you should be so privileged to do this as a job, that then therefore when I come and ask you to do a million things for free, you should be privileged for the exposure or for the experience or for the whatever. And a lot of that I feel very true, especially when you're young and you're working and you're, you need experience and you need to kind of get your footing. Right. But just like as an athlete, but then at what point when athletes become professional athletes, they're paid for their work, right? And yet a lot of professional performing artists, like on a whole, there are lots of things that we still do for free. Now I'm not saying we need to stop doing that. I'm just saying that it's the mentality that 
forces us into thinking we have to do it that way. Otherwise, we will lose jobs in the future in companies. Right. It's the mentality behind it. Again, I'm all for doing galas. I will, I will sing galas and raise money for your company until the cows come home. I will do right. it because I think it's important. Right. But, but I don't want to which ones you do too. Of course, exactly. But I don't want to do it because I have been sort of trained to think that I, uh, I now owe it back in perpetuity for the rest of my life <laughs> when my job and I'm providing you a service. Mm -hmm. and I, I happen to, and the privileges that I happen to love my job. You know, I liken it to being at a party and you come up to a doctor and you say, excuse me, doctor, but you know, I have this little bump on the back of my neck. Could you just look at that for free? Exactly. Oh, and then, and take it off for free. Yeah. For free. And take it off for free. And, and for free, I don't think people understand that, yes, we love what we do. We're very lucky. But some days we don't love what we do. But right. it is a job. And it yeah. is something that we make our money at. And it's our profession. Just right. like and any also, other profession. Exactly. And we've gone through the training for it. Right. I, that's why it's that's why it's one of those trickier things because people don't necessarily people know for an athlete to become a professional athlete just how much training they undergo. Why? Because we see it on television. Yep. We see it. As, you know, it's part of our culture to understand the process, and so therefore we understand the value when they get to where they are. Nobody. I mean, people do know. Yes, maybe for instrumentalists, you know, the process like practice, practice, practice. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Right. But there's, a, but there's less understanding, I think, about how much training we all go through to get here. I mean, I mean, just for me, I did four, four years of undergrad, two years of master's, a year of an undergraduate, uh, no, of a, like an artist diploma. That was just my actual technical education. And then I was lucky to start working, but I would say the following five, six years, even if it was work, was still like getting my, my feet wet, you know? And yeah, sure. Learning along the way yeah no that's like 13 years of training <laughs> right there a lot of money yeah yeah well no, it's been on my mind it's been a lot of thinking and I, I just okay. um, I think when you compare like what we do as opera singers to other um, musical artists and how they're paid and what they do for free and what they don't do for free there's a big difference there there's a big there's more value I feel like for however they're brought up in that field, there's more value there than there is in, in using your word value than what we're taught yeah. what our value is. And yeah. um, I think that's just not with opera singers. I think that's actually with a lot of classical musicians. I think we're, we're taught that we need to be, oh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, even though I've worked my ass off to sound as good as I do and to, to be one of the top ones that you picked for this job. Does that make yeah. sense? And Absolutely. spend $300 an hour for voice lessons and coachings and keeping our body in shape and our mind in shape. Right. You know. mm -hmm. On that note, though. Oh, Lord, what are you going to ask? We have to do rapid fire. Oh, no. We have, we have to ask one more question. Okay. Because we got we to gotta let Isabel go. Oh, sorry, Isabel. Do you have time? Do you need to go? No, I'm good. We're good. We're good. Um, do we want to talk about diversity? Do you want to go there or not go there? We can just go to rapid fire or we can talk about diversity in opera because that's such a big topic these days. But some people want to talk about it and some don't. It is a really massive, massive subject. Um, I think there was a great article in the New York Times that was in response to Thomasini's article about the blind auditions for the orchestra. I had 
a bunch of people who wrote in that article who are really smart, like my friend Weston Sprott, a bunch of really great people, the people from Sphinx organization, like it's really great. I would suggest reading that article to anybody who wants to read it, just because it's very interesting just to hear a little bit more and they really talk about their ideas about diversity. Um, I gotta, I'll just call it out now since that's what we're doing. The article was great, the response was great. Zachary Wolf, I think did a great job speaking to all these people. My only criticism, if I were to write a criticism, which I think we should start doing more as opera singers, we should start writing criticisms about not only the criticisms, but about the work that is out there ourselves and start yep. speaking up about the work of our colleagues when it's wonderful and really being more, I think, fluid, like we have been so much over this time, this pandemic, right, has kind of opened the, the channels, especially between soloists, to, to exchange information that we've all known for a very long time. Yeah. But it, um, Zachary Wolf did a really great job. The one thing that bothered me about the article was that the first person they quoted, quoted was not a person of color. That's all. That's all. And I was like, we were doing so well. <laughs> started, started. Come on, people. <laughs> again, it wasn't like, it was the, it wasn't like the, the voice was wrong, per se. But it was, again, we're, we're trying to include diversity. If we're going to talk about diversity, then can we come at it from the right perspective? Correct. So... And I think, again, it's, it's long overdue. We know that. And um, there's a lot of work to be done. And I think that we can uphold standards and, and uphold excellence in musicianship and in, across the board. And we just need to start um, making sure that everybody, I think while the artists are on board, I think yeah. the matter of like all the administration and everybody else really, really being in, uh, inclusive in, in in all the ways. I mean, there's so much, there's so much to do, but again, yeah, that, that's a kind of a great article to read. I, I would okay. suggest. We'll post the link. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one last um, really silly question is um, how awesome was that, that you got to be around Sesame Street? Like, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not like a jealous no. person, but when I saw you do that, I was like, Isabel, I love you, but I really wish I had could have done that. Cause that was I want to awesome. be on Sesame Street. It was fun, you guys, it was really fun. I have to say, it was, it's still like the highlight of my life. <laughs> I know, it's like, sorry to all the opera companies. It was really the highlight. It was just one of those things, you know, when you work with people who are so good at what they do, you know, they, because that's what they do, like, that's what they do, and they do it so well. And so everything was improvised, and we just chatted. Wow. Yeah, we just chatted, and I knew that they wanted to obviously talk like, well, what is an opera singer? You know, I kept on thinking like, okay, I'm going to do this, this thing. It's for kids. So what are the questions that kids would want to know? Simple, but clear, like, well, what's an opera singer? Maybe what are some of the exercises that we do? You know? So when I came into the, to the studio, it wasn't the studio. We actually did it. Um, we actually did it in Juilliard. We did it in one of the big rooms. Oh. Juilliard. Yeah. And, uh, and I came in, I said, well, you know, here's some of the ideas that I have, but obviously you guys are, you know, boss and, tell me and they're like no that's perfect that's great so we just improvised the whole thing and you know he's he's like what do you do to warm up and that's where we did the little lip troll thing and they totally took me by surprise when they started going yeah. <laughs> you know which is why i was like oh my god <laughs> that's <laughs> cool though yeah so it was super very natural and very again it was like kind of go with the flow and um oh and they're totally real like they're just they're just real you know they're it's, it was it was great. It was That's really awesome. I love yeah. that. I love that you did that. It was so yeah, cool. Was so now, rapid okay. fire. Rapid okay. fire. Are you ready for this? Yeah. No. Okay. Joins. I want to know best nickname or pet name that has been given to you. 
it's not very exciting, but probably just like is or Bella, Bell. My, my name has like a million per permutations. <laughs> is, okay. Uh, what's your best beauty tip? Um, I, oh, best beauty tip, best beauty tip, best beauty tip. I like to exfoliate. I think that's probably the best one. That's really, you know, clean, good clean. Yeah. Good clean. What makes you get up in the morning? No, um, oh, it really depends on the day. Um, what gets me? Well, my son. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, it depends on the project. Projects and people. I would say projects and people are what generally get me up in the morning. Okay. Uh, what is something that you do that embarrasses your kiddo? Hmm. I should probably ask him that question. <laughs> I'm not, I have to say, I'm not sure I embarrass him yet. Ooh. Uh, okay. I might still, I might still be cool. Love that. If, in another three years, I might not be. But for now, I think I'm still like, I'm, I'm free. He still holds my hand outside. Yeah, not all the time. Oh, when we, that. Yeah. When we oh. cross this stuff, just because it's like a habit and also because I'm like, come here. <laughs> but, but he's cool. He's like super, yeah, he doesn't care. What is the most useless talent that you have? <laughs> um, useless talent. I probably have a lot of them. Um, uh, useless talent. I, um, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm like really good at alphabetizing. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not super useless, I guess, but like I'm, I'm kind of a clean meat freak, but it's not useless. I find for me, those things are great, but it could be useless yeah. for I am bad person. I also have like those tidbits of information from time to time where I'll be like, oh, here's this interesting random ass fact that nobody cares about. So, and well, everybody's like, oh, that's great, Isabel. So nice. Thanks for the addition, you know. <laughs> uh, what profession would you attempt other than the one you do? Oh, um, well, if it's related to the one I do, like just acting would be cool um, or maybe directing. Um, when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be an anthropologist. That would have been very different. Wow. I love the idea. That's cool. Yeah, and like finding like skulls and bones and Me figuring too. out. I so wanted to do that. Yes, it's just so fascinating. Same side of the brain. Yes. No. So, who was the last celebrity that you freaked out about meeting? I was probably Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was nervous. I was a little nervous, gotta be honest. Yeah. Did you make him do Trump? Cause that's the best thing ever. No, I didn't. I didn't. I tried to keep, I tried to stay focused with our conversation as best as possible. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Favorite cuss word in any language. Fucking shit. There are two of them. Or a or, or piece of shit. Maybe that one. Shit. Fucking shit. Okay. And last one. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, ah, so much. <laughs> I, um, what I, I want he or she to say, um, yeah, you did it all right. Come on in. It's the party from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> party time. Yes. The face in the back. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Exactly. 
then I'll go, my dad will be there, you know, like, eating all the pecan pie, and, like, whoever there, and everybody's just having a good time, nobody's fighting about nonsense. And, and you don't gain any weight? Heck no. And honestly, even if I did, who cares? Because I'm not on stage anymore. <laughs> well, we have loved, loved chatting with you, Isabel. Thanks for doing this with us. Oh, it's been so uplifting. I love it. Yay. Oh, you should do it more often. Yes, please. So good to see you. Take care, and we will hopefully see you very soon. Okay. Somewhere. Sounds good. <laughs> yes, All right. always. Love. Take care. Bye. 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 Now it's time for La Yes, the people in your neighborhood. Who are the peeps that you meet when you're walking down the street? Or who are the people in your neighborhood? Gotta say right away without delay, they're the people that you meet each day. <laughs> Where are you oh, taking me, Ovejita? Hola, Ovejita. ¿Cómo estás, Isabel? Este es mi amigo Murray. Hi, Murray. Hi, it's nice Isabel. It's so you. nice to meet you. Isabel, what do you do in the neighborhood? Well, I'm an opera singer. You're an opera singer? Yeah. Wow, an opera singer. Uh, what's an opera? An opera is sort of like a play, except the actors don't speak their lines, they sing their lines. Oh, oh, and what kind of stories do you tell in the opera? Oh, lots of different stories. There are romantic stories, <gasps> there are adventurous stories, <gasps> sad stories, oh. yep, uh, happy stories, all sorts of different kinds of stories. Yes. Where do you sing the opera? Well, we sing opera all over the world. And do you sing it in English? We can sing in English, and we sing in Italian, <gasps> and we sing in French, and German, and Russian. And right now you have on a very fancy dress. Uh, are you going on a big bowling date? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, no, not good this bowling. is actually a costume from the Barber of Seville. My character wears this costume, and her name is Rosina. Rosina! Isabel, how do you become an opera singer? Kind of like an athlete. You need somebody to train you and teach you how to do it correctly. And do you have to do exercises to keep your voice in shape? Mm-hmm. One exercise that we like to do is kind of silly. We say, hung me, 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 me. Hung That's really, really, really good. I like good. that one. Are there other vocal exercises to do? Sure. We do things called lip trills, and that goes like this. That's a sloppy one. I'm going to make some of my own music, because I'm going to sing with Isabel. Oh, what opera are we going to sing, Isabel? We're going to sing an aria from the Barber of Seville. Oh, oh, oh and what language are we singing in? Oh, we're going to sing in Italian. Italian? Oh, I don't even know any Italian. Oh, what's my line? You're going to say, yes. How do I say that in Italian? Si. Ah, si. Es lo mismo en español. Spanish overheater. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Mm -hmm. I'm ready. Lights, please. You're on. Una voce poco fa, cui nel cor mi risuono, il mio cor ferito e già, e mi fu che i piago. Si.
thank you. I love being an opera singer. It sure is cool meeting people in your neighborhood. <laughs>